Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders brought to you by Central Michigan University, a leader in educational choice and options. Uh, welcome uh, to our second season of the podcast. Um, and got my colleagues here, Janelle Brzezinski and Jason Sarsfield. Uh, welcome. Uh, J- Jason is new to our podcast group, and um, uh, I'll have him introduce himself to the audience. Hi, Orlando and folks. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Jason Sarsfield. As Orlando said, proud to serve as the deputy director of the Governor John Engler Center for Charter Schools at CMU. Uh, in that capacity, uh, I lead much of our oversight and support work in working with 57 schools um, and uh, most recently have led much of our efforts uh, to implement governor's executive orders and legislation regarding uh, the return to learn um, uh, um, kind of situation um, and have uh, really uh, worked with a great team at CMU to tackle some of those challenges. Um, proud also to have served as a teacher and a founding school leader at a charter school as a background um, and it's great to be here with you all. So thanks for having me Orlando and Janelle. Jason, like we said, great to great to have you have another another face or I guess in the podcast where we say another voice um, in the conversation. And um, just for all of our listeners, a good reminder as we start um, the new season, um, you can find all of our episodes on our website. So that would be the centerforcharters.org. Um, we're also available on um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. Certainly subscribe so you don't miss any of our monthly episodes moving forward. Um, we're looking forward to some great conversations this year. And we really appreciate you being here with us. And we're going to kick those great conversations off here in a few minutes with a uh, principal from Next Tech High School, Dan McMinn. Uh, Dan uh, is a, uh, was born here in the state of Michigan and, and then went on to teach in Indiana. And we're very fortunate to have had him come back to Michigan to um, both teach at Next Tech High School, and then uh, move on to become the school leader. So really excited for that conversation to hear uh, how um, his experience has gone during this pandemic. So stay tuned for that discussion with Dan McMinn as we um, are celebrating our 25-year anniversary of chartering schools and kicking off the second year of our podcast. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. Welcome to Charter Central. Welcome back. We are so excited to have our guest today, Dan McMinn, who is the principal at or school leader at Next Tech High School and has been there for the past eight years. Uh, We are excited to have him here to talk a little bit about the school and um, his work there. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Dan, um, first thing is, you know, tell us a little bit about the school that you run and, and, you know, give us a little bit of insight of what parents and students experience and tell you um, as they're having uh, their first experience and interaction with the school. Yeah, well, the the beauty, I think, first of our building is when you walk through is that we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, Next Tech High School for us has been a wonderful atmosphere and you walk in and it's in this great huge 
um, old American seating building. So when people walk in, I think their first idea is, is this really a high school? Um, because it's really this giant open space and it looks more like a college commons area that, you know, you at Central would be more used to seeing than we would in a high school. And as we walk through, um, parents are kind of in awe and the students, I think, are a little bit in awe of what we offer. Um, you know, being a, a blended program is something where our on-site is just as important as our off-site. And so you kind of really are working at those two different levels of what we see. So um, it, it, it is a, an awe-inspiring, I think, thing when they first walk through for us to really identify what parents are seeing within here. So you mentioned that you guys are a blended learning high school. Um, can you explain that to our listeners? What exactly uh, does it mean to be a blended learning high school? That is the million dollar question, I think, because across the state, a lot of schools and across the nation, a lot of schools take the word blended and it means a million different things for a million different schools. Um, for us specifically, what that means is that uh, you're taking technology and you're integrating it with the face-to-face -face atmosphere in this kind of medium mix uh, as best you can. So what we've noticed is that every student has their individual story, right? So when you're talking about how do you do a true blend, you're saying, where does the technology integration meet? And where does the face-to-face -face learning come in that a student is able to excel at their own pace? Um, in a sense, you're taking what you're doing as a school and making it fit um, into the student's lifestyle, as opposed to having the student's lifestyle fit right into the school. So you take a lot of different pieces to it. Um, some schools will do kind of like a flex model, uh, some people will do a rotation model, you know, on different things in the class. And even that within our, our day, it, it varies. So for us specifically here at Next Tech High School, um, our students start really 16 hours a day or 16 hours a week, I'm sorry, uh, on site. And then they're 16 hours a week virtual. So really you're putting about four hours a day um, for four days a week. And they fit into an either an AM session or a PM session on our campus. And through, through, through that system, they're able to go through and we identify some of the other pieces as far as, okay, they're putting 16 hours here, they're working 16 hours virtual, and, and they kind of get that traditional sense when they're here. They're going to classes, they have a set schedule, um, they know when they're working in, in, in their seminar class and they're talking to other students and having that experience. But offsite, they're able to flex that time a little bit differently. You know, they're able to work. They're able to start working at, at dual enrollment um, at local universities. They're able to go through and do some internships that they weren't maybe able to do in a different atmosphere. So for our kids, we look at that because even though a freshman coming in, he might be just, hey, I, I'm doing the basic 16 and 16, but they might actually need to have more time on site. They might need more support from a teacher. So maybe that student's actually here for 20 hours a week on site because they need more time. There might be somebody who's a junior or senior that is, is flying through this. They know what they're doing. They understand the system. And we may only see them on campus one day a week. So for us, the ability of blending is really meeting the student at what they need and being able to adjust what we're asking of them and what we see uh, with that model as well. And Dan, as you're talking through that, obviously there's a lot of flexibility there from the student perspective, like you're saying, to really make sure that it's working for them. What do you see from the teacher and educator level as far as the responsiveness and the ability to be flexible within the system as an educator? So from my view, um, and I actually have had the privilege of teaching in this model before I took on my current role. So I've actually had both experiences of that. But um, the biggest benefit is the time 
that a teacher has within this. There's a lot more time that they are given, especially within the schedule that we use. So um, as I mentioned, the AM and PM schedule for the, for the students, it actually is a Tuesday through Friday schedule for our kids in the morning and a Monday through Thursday for our afternoon students. So Monday morning is, is a staff time, right? We get an opportunity to cross collaborate on, on different projects and work through things and talk about ideas. Um, same thing with those Friday afternoons. We can go through and we can work together and provide professional development on different things. And hey, what went wrong this week? Or what do we need to work on? Or what did we see? Or how can we prepare better for this? Um, so there's a lot of time built in that. And they're during the week, it's the same thing. The only thing that we look from a, a schedule on a teacher's pieces, math is every day, everything else is every other day, right? So even within that scheduling, um, our math teachers, they have a little bit different um, piece. It is more traditional because they're seeing those kids four days a week in their classes. Everybody else is seeing them on a, a Monday and a Wednesday or a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, and so that opens up, number one, time for them to work through classes, build different things. But more importantly, they're working through the relationships with the students because our teachers do have a dual role. Um, that's probably one of the, the broader aspects of our program is the fact that a teacher is also the mentor, right? You have these, these teachers that really get to understand students because how can I create a program around you if I don't know you? And so for us, that's one of the biggest benefits that we see is that we're able to get to know each and every kid that comes through our program and help to them, you know, work through the different things. And you know, there's, there's a million different stories over the past <laughs> years that we can go through and look at for that. Um, but we could talk about things like, you know, a student that is great student, 4.0, doing awesome, but then they start that first dual enrolled class. Well, that's a different experience when now you're in a college campus and you're sitting in that classroom as opposed to ours and they need that support. And so it's, it's things like that that allow our teachers because they know what the kids are going through and they can offer that support outside the home to really help them out. Hey, Dan, this is uh, Jason Starsfield here, and it's great to have you on. Um, I have a follow-up question to that, which is, you know, I've heard uh, some others refer to the role of teacher in a blended program as compared to a traditional setting as more of a facilitator of learning, more as a learning coach, and in some regards than, you know, a transmitter of, you know, knowledge in a traditional sense. Would you agree with that characterization? And, you know, could you talk a little bit more about uh, how someone uh, that has experienced a traditional kind of school background might transition into this type of model? Because I'm sure you've had that and you've had successes and challenges in that regard. Yeah, it's definitely a learning curve um, when you come in for both staff and students to understand how to best do this. Um, and I think to, to help answer your question is there, once again, really is, is a lot of different ways that people can do that. And some of the blended environments it is a uh, program that is really doing the, the main teaching, right? And then the teacher is coming alongside that, that student and saying, okay, here's where I can help support that. In our world, um, like I said, our teachers are still doing that traditional teaching. They're having those class periods. They're in front of the class. They're doing those things. They're working together. Um, they're designing those lessons. So we do still do that. We want our teachers in front, giving their knowledge and supporting that. Um, and for us, the curricular aspect and the, the technology, if you will, is working on that back end piece, right? There's always something there. We say that we have that back end virtual class, and that's another piece of that flexibility. So in our world, we kind of do both. And, and I'm talking specifically when I say ours, the, the Grand Rapids location, but we have another location out in Lansing as well. And they are, following the same principles, the same ideas of what we, we do, you know, at the core, 
they're a blended learning program. They follow that next tech name, but their model is different. They follow things, you know, from the day to day, slightly different than what we do. Um, those teachers might be more along that, you know, guide next door to somebody. So there's not really a, a right or wrong, depending on how you do it. I think it's just the idea of making sure that you still get that strong, um, the strong support, you know, that builds around there. And that's the biggest thing from my end. You know, we've been obviously working in a high school setting here. Uh, we are a nine through 12 and, you know, we're the smallest school in Kent County here. And we, we always will be. Um, and that's by design. And part of that for us is the fact that when you get a high school student walking through that has not been in this, it, it takes good two weeks to really understand, okay, I'm not just telling you every day, this is what happens. You're not just having to sit here and do what I'm telling you for this next part. Um, students really do have that ability to say, I want to work ahead. You know, I've got, we're going on vacation this weekend. I want to get some stuff done. I want to work through that. They have the ability to, to work faster in some cases. Um, and that also allows us to slow them down a little bit, uh, you know, and say, hey, we have to get more support in this subject. So we're going to put more, more time in. and it's okay that a lesson might not be turned in on the official due date, you know, so we're able to kind of do some of those pieces too. So our teachers definitely have their work cut out for them on some of the things they do around here. They always give, you know, with a good staff, you can get a lot done. So Dan, you touched a little bit on student success, and I have to imagine that if students are guiding their own outcomes, um, you've probably seen some incredible success stories. And you know, without naming any individuals, perhaps there's a story or two that you can share um, about students that have come through the school that have really made a turn for the better and um, share some of the success perhaps that they've had. Yeah, I mean, this, that's, that's why we're here, right, is we want to make sure that those students are representative of, of our program, and we want to get them onto that next stage so they can do great things. And um, there's a lot of different stories, right, when you look at our program. I think the first thing that I would address is the idea of trying to find that unique individual and what is, how do you define success? Um, we have everybody that comes through our doors. We have students that are, you know, 4.0s, go-getters, they're going to have the pick of the, the college and universities that they want to see down the line. And we have others that, you know, they've been in their third school in, in two years and they're struggling. Um, and so we're trying to identify how does that look and what does success look like? So when I look at success, I mean, I can go back to, you know, even one of our original um, students that started with us with, with a first group of 32 kids, you know, nine through 12. And a student went through all four years. Um, he was doing piano in Lansing twice a week and he was looking at how do I, you know, do some extra credit options on this and that. And this is a student who, when he did graduate, he had, like I said, the, the, his choice on what he wanted to do, a national merit scholar. And he actually just graduated, um, from Williams college recently. And so that was great to see that and have those conversations about, you know, Hey, this, this is an opportunity and you see what somebody was able to do. And I, add that and put that on the same level with, you know, we have young mothers that have gone through and come through our program. And, you know, that's a, a big lifestyle shock. And we're working with these students and saying, how do we get them prepared for, you know, before they have a child and how do we support them after? Um, and that's another success because we go through that. I mean, it, it's something that comes up, but it's definitely something when you're hitting graduation and you're recognizing, you know, the parents and the grandparents and you say, can we also recognize the children of our graduates, right? That's a different atmosphere for uh, somebody to speak up, but it's still a success that we bring up and, and we are, are proud of seeing. Um, and even now in the current situation, you know, that we're dealing with across the, the nation here and across the state with uh, the COVID situations, um, 
we've see, seen success in this. I have students now that are working that, you know, came into us maybe briefly right before this. And, you know, they were kind of getting their feet wet in our program. And then as this has, has, you know, we had a campus closure obviously last year. And as we started off this year, these students have really excelled because you're seeing that now they're, they're really focused on this virtual aspect of it, right? And we were able to jump into that. And so that's a whole different piece of the blended model where you can identify these student successes everywhere. Um, and it, the idea of success obviously varies a little bit, but as long as a family is, is supporting us and we're supporting them, we're feeling great about it, so. Yeah, and Dan, you, you spoke a little bit about this a second ago, but really, I mean, the world looks a lot different, especially in the world of education, as we've looked at the, the past few months in our nation and our world. Um, certainly, having some experience in a blended model has um, brought you a different perspective and allowed for a little bit more of a seamless transition. Can you speak a little bit about how you were able to transition um, so easily to um, a fully virtual setting and maybe some some lessons learned from the past um, few years too of, of being blended that you might be able to share with others as they, they transition as well in this new world. Well, and I'll definitely start off by saying that nothing ever comes easy, right? When you're given a few months to try and prepare and do something that we've been spending a few years in, we know that it's not going to be easy. Um, the first few two years that we were in our program, I want to say every semester, we kind of changed what does blended look like in, in our program, right? We changed the model and changed what that looked like. And so it took us a while to figure out what that right mix was for staff and, and for students to be able to combine and get this correct. And we feel really good about it now. Um, the biggest benefit is having that foot in the virtual world and the foot in the face-to-face -face world. Um, it took us, oh gosh, a whole three hours to make that transition when the campus closures originally happened back in March. So we sat down as a group that, that day. We said, okay, here's what we have to do. How do we make that transition? What does that look like? We were able to very quickly move and create a schedule and get that out to our families. Um, it took us about three hours. Now, through that first week, we had one idea even of time. Second week, we were able to change it. I think it's also a big benefit of being a charter program that's able to be quick on their feet um, and make these quick transitions. So for us, we didn't have um, a long period of, of what I say is, is the, the lost learning time. Our students always had the option and the ability to get on their courses and they knew what they were doing. So even though the world was kind of in this crazy world where you know, we're, we're figuring things out and everything shut down, our students still had this core system in place for school and they knew, hey, next day I have school. At this time and this time my classes are running, my teachers are there, they're expecting me and I can do these classes. You know, we, we made adjustments, we made things switch through that, you know, as far as, as the time went on, how do we better connect with those families? What is this individual, you know, who's struggling right now at this stage, we're able to reach out individually. I think that that's, that's part of it is in a broader sense, the idea of blended learning or virtual learning, everybody has gotten a taste of this now, right? There isn't anybody where in the past few years, I've had to go through and explain, this is what it means to be a blended student. This is what it means to be a blended learner. I don't think I'm going to need to do that for the next five years here. I think that pretty much anybody that walks through is going to say, yep, I get it. I did this. Now, the question is, what was their experience like with that, right? Some districts have, have struggled because of capacity or different things to be able to put that in there. Um, and so the experiences that some students have had have not been maybe the greatest. And so that's where you're going to see a lot of that, that change. Um, but having the, the back end helped us. But it's also, I think, that the biggest takeaway is the connections. 
right? That's what it is. Students want to, to go through and they want to be connected. They want to do this. They want to talk. And um, right now we've been, um, and we say things are different this year and, and they are, we have about half of our students right now that are still working virtually. About half of our students are on site right now. And so when we have our seminar, which is our grade level meetings in class period, um, we're combining both of those things. And so if a kid's sitting in their, their house and they're on their, their you know, Zoom meeting or their Google chat and they're going through, they're connected and they're having the same conversations they would have if they were sitting right next to somebody. And that's, that's the important part. And it's interesting um, from an administrator standpoint, you know, as you go walking around your school and you walk into a classroom to kind of you know, do a quick observation and your teacher's talking to themselves. And you're going, oh, that's a little weird. And then you dawns you, oh yeah, that's right. He's got you know 12 kids online right now, and he's got his headset on, and that's what he's doing. Um, so I mean, those are some things there. It takes obviously from um, every role is a little bit different as we look at it now and how we we do this. But Dan, I want to build on that because that is uh, certainly insightful. I, I also want to just say it's inspiring to hear how you've transitioned and continue to meet your students' needs. Uh, both before the pandemic, but certainly throughout the pandemic, notwithstanding natural challenges. And I think what you just described around uh, walking into a classroom and, and wondering, you know, who the heck is that teacher talking to? I often think given the pandemic, what it's done to all of us, my, my dog actually thinks the same thing all day long when I'm <laughs> on Zoom meetings. That said, um, you mentioned five years uh, from now or in the future, and I want to kind of be a little abstract and, and, and look into the future. Um, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, explaining or trying to explain to someone what virtual learning is, is, is going to be different into the future. But if, if you had a crystal ball and you looked into the future two, five, even 10 years, how is education and public education going to be fundamentally different in your view than it was two or five years ago as a result of what we've all gone through? Yeah, um, gosh, I, I think I get a big pay raise if I get this one right, right? Um, I, I think part of this is we look back and, and I can go back, I'll even go back before I go forwards, I guess. But um, I was actually at a large um, public school prior to coming to here and my district had been talking about doing, you know, one-to-one -one learning and building that in and saying, okay, we're going to bring in devices um, starting at that freshman level and bring it on. And that was actually where I was able to make that transition to here because I kind of figured that if my district was going to be making this shift and this change, this is where education is going. Um, so that was about eight years ago where we walked into this idea of uh, the Next Tech program and um, not realizing at the time that, you know, we didn't have walls up, we didn't have anything with us, we just had an idea and how we're going to start to build that. And so I think that as you look beyond that, um, it, it's, it's a different version of kind of what is the idea of education. It's, it's anywhere, anytime. How do you learn uh, and what do they need? We see right now that there are students that are experiencing something they haven't had before. There are some that, like we just mentioned, are excelling in a virtual model. And they're saying, wow, I can actually get through this a lot quicker and I have more time for these experiences in my life that I, you know, it's kind of the love, right? Or the passion as they go through this. And so they might be trying to check a box or something within that. And we can help them, you know, get through those areas and say, hey, let's explore that passion. I think that in the future, you're always going to have the core piece of face-to-face. -face. That's why we're not a 100% virtual program. You know, we're not in that because the idea of having connection face-to-face -face and doing that, that's still going to be the core of how you, uh, you know, educate students, I think, in, in our country. But I think what this is going to do is each school is going to look at this and say, we need to start providing more options. We need to be able to, to reach these different things. We can't just be stuck to this, you know, one model. This is how everything looks. 
um, because you're going to listen to the students. You're going to listen to the parents a little bit more. So I think that's kind of where you're going. You see a lot more of that um, in all these districts. And uh, I just keep going back to the, the surveys that you see from you know, when you send out a parent survey and districts run through that. Those are the answers, right? That's what you're looking for. So um, where it's going to go is adding this choice in there, adding technology, making sure that your, your school, no matter where you're at, if you're in a rural district or you know, you're in an urban district, you're going to sit there and, and have a global connection. Right. And that's that's really, I think, the, the goal it doesn't matter where you're at. And we often have said this. It doesn't matter where you're at. We are in a global atmosphere. But I think this piece, the fact that, you know, we can be sitting in five different locations, six different locations and still having this conversation. It's real now for everybody. They understand what that looks like. And you know, we might be getting some some Zoom fatigue or something along that, too. But there's a, an opportunity for us to, to really branch out and do this. And, um, I look, you know, we, we had our students do a tour at Google a few years back and they're sitting in our classroom, but they're able to do this. And that to them was interesting and new. If we did that tomorrow, it wouldn't be interesting and new, right? And that, that's okay. It's because we're, we're growing with the technology. So, so Dan, uh, you mentioned technology and I know that's one of the challenges that many folks are facing across the state right now, both from a connectivity issue um, but also from a hardware and software issue, uh, making sure that all the students have access, which is, which is very critical, particularly during these times. Do you have any advice uh, for other folks or how did your school go about bridging that technology gap for students? Well, part of our program is, is you know, from the beginning when somebody enrolls in our program, we provide them with that Chromebook, right? So we're already a one-to-one -one system when you run through there. Um, and so even that being said, there's this back-end virtual piece and we have conversations about, you know, what does it look like at home? So we're having those conversations upon enrollment to make sure that a family is able to work off-site and do that. And this is, this I'm just saying in a traditional world too, right? Uh, that, that's always part of that. So if somebody doesn't have internet, we work and we know that ahead of time as part of an understanding and, and working with that family. Um, so we would provide hotspots. We would provide opportunities and try and figure that out. And, and you're right, there is a cost associated with those things. Um, but that's part of kind of where our model supports families and says, but this is this for us to be successful, we have to provide that part. Um, you, it's not just about adding computers, right? You, you know, when you look at some of the ideas of what blended was, you can't just say, here's a device, go ahead and make it work. Or, hey, we're going to have an assignment every week that, that is going to be flipped learning now or something. And that's not the idea. So I think it's, it's part of that broader section. You look at, is there opportunities in, in state, federal, you know, different grants that are available or different ways to set different funding aside in educational aspect specifically for these core pieces, you know, as a, a budgetary piece, it does take a lot to set something up there and, and the infrastructure across the board. I know if you're looking in a rural section, in a rural area, you have staff members that don't have access to, to high speed internet, you know, and that's kind of a core for these things and the different pieces. So um, luckily we've been able to build some relationships with some local companies that have allowed us to, you know, set these things up for, for our staff and for our students. And it, it just changes, you know, when we came back this year and we decided that we, how we wanted to teach kind of the, the live virtual classes along with our other ones, it came down to headphones, you know? So I'm running to the store and I'm picking up headphones for my teachers and saying, hey, if you've got Bluetooth headphones, awesome. If you don't, I'm getting you a pair and we're getting these. And, you know, now it's the issue of, oh, I forgot to plug them in last night. <laughs> I can't help you with that. You know, I get you the device, but you got to plug them in yourself. So it's hard. Um, and I think the other part of that is also when you look at 
it's understanding and hearing from your families. Uh, that's a hard thing to walk into a new school or even a place that you've been in and admit that we don't have this at home. You're not going to necessarily hear that from a student um, right off the bat. Sometimes it's that third, fourth, fifth conversation where something just doesn't sound right about what they're doing. And a teacher or a counselor or somebody's able to say, hey, I want to pull this kid one on one and talk a little bit and say, hey, are you getting this? And so that's where the relationship comes in. You know, I, we have so many families, I think, are able to get a lot of our services because we know them, you know, and in a larger place, I don't know if they'd get that. You know, they sometimes would get lost in that shuffle or they just don't feel comfortable talking about those things because it is, it's a personal and, and difficult thing. And Dan, you mentioned a little bit ago, kind of piqued my interest about Zoom fatigue or virtual meeting fatigue. I know all of us adults that are adapting to a remote working environment are working through that, but certainly students in a virtual aspect too. Um, as someone who has been working in the virtual world through this blended model for a few years, is there anything that you have found at your school or just on your on a personal level too, outside of education, um, that you could offer in that space, given that this is all kind of new to the whole world that, that we're all kind of feeling, um, feeling the long-term um, impact of this many virtual meetings. Right. I mean, I think I, and even just to, to do a quick little assessment of your own, you know, self, as you're saying there, how many times are you going back and changing your zoom background at this point? Right. That was something that we all did. I think the first week or two and you're going, Oh, I'm going to sit in front of a green screen and get this going on. It's going to be great. And I don't see very many people doing that anymore, right? So I think that's an easy, quick assessment to figure that out. But um, I, I think that in our world, as an adult, you know, you sit back and you say, oh, technology, sometimes it can be really interesting or, or tough to learn something new. And so, you know, I would go to my own family and I sometimes hand something to my kids and say, hey, tell me how this is working, figure this out for me. I like roll their eyes and they hand it back and say, there, it's fixed okay, thank you. And this is coming from somebody who works in a digital atmosphere, right? That, that's a tough, a tough sell when your kids are starting to understand some of these pieces better than you can. Um, I, I think the bigger, bigger part of that, though, is, is understanding the systems you're using. Uh, we implement new technologies an awful lot, you know, when something comes up. And, and um, I, I can speak specifically, the most recent one that we just implemented here is a program called Talking Points. Um, Talking Points is a, a program that we implemented, number one, for working and communicating with students, um, you know, kind of as a text way that provides the school a, a way to kind of view that monitor and make sure that things are going, but as a way to help reach students in a way that they asked for. Um, and it also allows us to communicate with some of our parents. Uh, the benefit of that is it's technology. I can type in English and it can translate it to a, a Spanish-speaking family, right? And that can come back to me. So that's something where you kind of hear about it, you get into it, and then you have to say, okay, let's learn how we do this even better. And so we get into that idea and we're able to start growing that. Um, but I can throw it out and say, here's this great technology, but unless my staff is able to understand it and then get in it and practice it and then come back and ask me questions again, they're not going to be comfortable with it. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've always had is I can have these great things. I can throw a smart board in my classroom. I can do something else. But unless we give our teachers not just the ability to see it, train on it, and, and go, all right, cool. But then we have to come back and allow them to, to really get to understand it. And it's those that take the initiative to practice. They get better, just like anything else that we do, right? Um, and I think that's where you know we do that a lot. I think we are a, a Google suite here as well. You know, It sounds like I'm 
giving out sponsor props or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th there's a lot of different things that you can always learn from these different um, meetings or, or colleagues that we work on. And I mean, best thing I think that I've, I've done recently was the idea of just changing our school backgrounds, you know, for the kids. Every kid has this device. I can change the background to say, hey, we've got parent conferences or we've got this due. The SAT was coming up. Here's the times. And it's just another thing because every time a kid turns on the computer, boom, here's something different, you know, and it could be information or it could just be something inspiring or maybe just a bad joke or something. But it at least keeps that idea that they get on, they see something new, um, but it's a way for us to communicate. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million tips and tricks that I think we could offer to people and I could run through, but um, you just got to make sure you practice it. So Dan, um, let's shift a little bit. Um, you've done some really insightful writing and shared with others around things you think uh, parents should know about blended learning programs and look for. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're a parent of two school-aged children yourself, um, so you have that perspective as, as a parent. If, if uh, you know, friends of yours that are also parents were to ask you, hey, I think my child might be a really good fit for a blended learning program, what should I look for uh, in successful programs as a parent? How would you respond to that? Well, you know, you got to know the kid, and that's why you talk to the parents and say, okay, well, what, what do you see from your student? Is there, are they somebody that can manage their time? You know, are they somebody that can actually do this stuff? We talk about the homework question, right? Does your kid do their homework? Do they not do their homework? You know, if you're somebody that really can't do your homework on a regular basis and you don't think you're going to get there, blended learning is going to be really difficult because you're, you're asked to do a lot on your own. You're asked to go through and put in that outside time. Um, but it's also being critical of the programs that you're in. I think that the world we're in, sometimes we get say, well, I'm, I'm forced to be in this role and do that. So we always say, ask those questions. And you're right. I, I think that, um, you know, the, my district, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm always asking those questions. I'm sitting in on different meetings and, and things, even though it's not my district, but I'm coming in as a parent view. And I want to see, is my student and is my, my, my family, are they going to have that opportunity to, to talk to a teacher and get to know somebody um, or are they not? And I think that was, that's part of where those writings came through because when we started seeing the, the plans for this year, you know, in a virtual model or, or something else and those things came out, it took away a lot of the, the connection, right? The human connection that went through there. And so it made me as a parent first question and say, would I want my own child in that section? And um, more importantly, is my child capable of operating, I think, in that section? And so those are the questions that we ask. We say, what, what is it that you're looking for? How can you get that better? Um, and I think that that's where it started. Are you going to see a, a teacher that's going to reach out? What does that look like? And then push from there. I think that the other avenues, though, from, from our families are just, what do they want out of education, right? And, and that's the biggest part of that, too. Because if you have, once again, if I'm talking as a high school, what's your, your goal after that? Where are you going? Are you going to go to a community college, a university? Uh, are you going to start working right away? Uh, from an elementary standpoint and middle school standpoint, you're not maybe looking beyond that, right? But you're saying, are you interested in sports? Can you participate in these things? What's that going to look like? And I know at the beginning of this year, those were all questions that nobody had answers to. So you had to just focus on where are my options now? Um, you know, and we've seen a lot of hybrid programs uh, that consisted of here we're going to be on site the next day, your home. But if there's no schoolwork happening, you know, when you're at home, then it's just, okay, I've got less school, 
right? And, and so those are the questions that we've asked and making sure, okay, what do you do on that quote unquote virtual day and how much impact does it have? Uh, it, it's hard with an elementary school student. I can tell you that from experience. And um, yeah, so I definitely know our kids had that. And I can tell you the first time when I called home and, and my wife said, hey, we're out getting ice cream right now. And I looked down at my watch and I said, it's, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's a school day. Um, it's a virtual school day, but why are you getting ice cream and why am I not getting ice cream? Um, you know, it just kind of throws things off a little bit. But. Well, Dan, this has been incredibly insightful, certainly, um, as we've mentioned, with the, the school being open going on nine years now, of some of the lessons learned, some of the techniques and the model that you've refined, like you said, as you continue to adapt what this blended model looks like, and as the rest of the world now is getting experience in this virtual setting, um, really appreciate you being here and again kind of making us think too of what the future of education might look like. Um, one thing we like to ask all of our guests as this is an education focused podcast is um, to share a little bit about um, a teacher that truly had an impact of, on your life. Obviously you've gone into education. Um, can you share with us about about a teacher that you had growing up that that really meant a lot to you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of, as you can tell, probably most of my answers from today, right, I'll go a little bit off topic and do some other pieces to it. But um, I, I kind of am going to mention two different things in my high school experience. I had an English teacher uh, that really, I think, brought the love of the, the subject out in, in, for me. And it was one of those things where you had your normal classes, but it was the first time when you're sitting down in class and you could do projects that were not just here we need to write this essay or we need to do this so this idea of getting choice and creativity and responses um, and so for me it's it's going back and saying okay what do I remember about that class and it's really the experience of the social pieces that I had and I think that there was a teacher that you know she allowed us to go above and beyond on different pieces but you had to present it to her first you know you could always go off topic but you had to get the approval and that led to a lot of um, you know video submissions you know from my friends and me because we were able to sit back and, and make these nice things and we made this uh you know i, I remember distinctly making beowulf you know a video of beowulf and doing that because it's a video that we had and it scared and scarred my my little cousin when they saw that because they thought i was eaten by a monster at one point um and then luckily you know we were able to dig that up at my parents just a few weeks ago and i was able to show my kids how great of an actor i was and they realized why i became a school administrator and not an actor um, but I think so that that stands out in my mind, but also I had a math teacher and it was when I was a senior and uh, I actually was a student aide, you know, in a class and, you know, you generally are thinking, okay, a student aide is somebody that's going to make some copies, do some things, but it was actually for a freshman math class when I was a senior and she actually pulled me aside and said, hey, can you help me out here? Um, because that was one of my strengths was working in math and I said, well, yeah, I can do that. And essentially, as I look back on it now, I was a, an unpaid parapro, right? But I was working through that class and it gave me an experience of actually like teaching these pieces and understanding kind of where that came from as a senior. And I think that really led to, to my college experience of, okay, this is how education works and this is how you, you, you get that and you see that growth. And, you know, in, in college, I was obviously, I was, I was a coach and, and doing different things like that. But you get that moment where you can, can see a student get that idea you've been working for, right? That's what you strive for. So I was able to experience that as a senior in high school and it really, I think, helped shape my path uh, from where I'm at now, so. 
Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, definitely appreciate you sharing. And uh, I know that our guests that will listen to this will appreciate some of the tips and uh, insight that you've provided. So we really appreciate your time today and look forward to an opportunity to catch up with you in person once uh, we're all able to do that again following the pandemic. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me here and uh, fire up, Chip. Fire up. We just finished recording our first podcast of the year in our second season with Dan McMinn, and we're very excited uh, to have him on. He did a great job telling us a little bit about blended learning. Um, and we have now with us our executive director, Corey Northrup, uh, to provide a little bit of insight and update as to what the year ahead brings. Welcome, Corey. Hi, Lorlando. How are you doing? Uh, doing great, thank you. We're glad we're glad to have you on, and uh, glad to have you sharing some insight with our guests. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. You know, this year, you know, is obviously vastly different from any other year, and we're really trying to focus everything we're planning as an organization on the immediate needs and issues that our schools are facing. And we've been hearing a lot of great feedback from our schools on what you're looking for and always appreciate you sharing those ideas with us. You know, we are here to serve our schools and want to provide the most impactful opportunities as possible to help you serve your students. And some of the ways that we are gonna do that is through the podcast. And we have a great range of topics uh, this year. Some of those topics are gonna be around college access uh, for high school graduates, uh, how to best serve students for their social emotional needs, we're also going to be discussing racial issues facing our nation and how our education with our students can be a key part of the hope for that future. Um, we're also looking to do some organizational initiatives uh, around how to uh, best serve the supports and professional development to the schools. Uh, so those are the, some of the things that we're looking to focus on to, to help support our schools in the upcoming year. I also uh, would really be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to really thank all the schools that they have been for the work that they've been doing uh, to, to serve the students in these uh, trying times. Uh, the response has been unprecedented and it's truly what charter schools are about. We're, we're adaptive and innovative and that has really come through in these times of how we responded and how quick we responded to the changing times. So thank you for joining and uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Corey. Great to have you join us and uh, appreciate all of our listeners and look forward to our future podcasts. We should be broadcasting once a month moving forward. So uh, appreciate you taking time to listen in and look forward to hearing from you soon.